till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No, and cancer is pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer is a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. Hey, Mimi. Hey, Leanna. Uh, I want to talk about what I did this weekend. Oh, awesome. Talk about what you did. You saw a film, right? I saw a documentary. Yeah. So I was invited to attend a documentary and be on a panel, Mm -hmm. uh, which was kind of wild because I wasn't quite sure if they wanted me because I was a survivor or they wanted me because I'm like somehow affiliated with Dana-Farber. It was all like, Mm -hmm. it was all very like seat of the pants. Mm -hmm. It was all very casual. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a new documentary for adolescent young adult cancer patients. Uh, This woman was diagnosed uh, with cancer at a young age and she didn't see herself in the media, in the movies, in the, you know, support groups, like all of the things that we have talked Mm -hmm. about. And so she decided to make a documentary and she said that she thought she would film for two weeks and then edit for two weeks and have a documentary. Um, And three and a half years later. uh, So she uh, put together this documentary called Vincible. Mm. And you can find them on Instagram at like Vincible the documentary with adolescent young adult cancer patients and how their experience is different from childhood cancers or you know the older cancers and it's 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 really great like Mm. I'm glad that she's being a part of the conversation she's building a community she said that she didn't see the community until she went out there and tried to build one and then saw like other patients that she's connected to right and I think that's been our experience too with connecting with other patients is you have to like go out there and try to build something and then you realize what's out there Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that was really cool and I'd say people should check it out I think it's going to be out this fall um, in theaters. Well, like, I think it's going to be streaming. I think it's going to be available, oh, cool. like, on YouTube. Yeah, everything's streaming. Right. Everything's streaming. Everything's streaming. It's, right. Theaters aren't the aren't the hip thing anymore. Well, they, they are for action, those big action films, right? Those My big action films. My favorite kind of films. Yeah. And they're, they're fun to see in the movie theaters. But yeah, so we'll look for that streaming. That's a really good suggestion. I like the name, too. Vincible. It's good. Yeah, because you're not, we are all so vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> That's invincible. Yeah. That's great. So what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about putting it back together after you've been taken apart. Yes. uh, Which has a lot of invincibility in it, I think. I think there's a lot of invincibility in this. We're talking about plastic surgery after breast cancer. And the reconstruction that comes along with that. Yeah, exactly. And we're just going to be talking about it primarily from our stories because there's a lot of different options. Well, there's a lot of different types of cancer. There's a lot of different types of reconstruction. There's a lot of different types of surgery. And we don't know all that. 
that and we don't really want to research it. <laughs> no, but I think one of the things that we both agreed on is that it would have been helpful before we went through this process, which is a very, it's been the longest process I've gone through. It's in this whole so experience. involved and yeah. complicated. We both wish we'd had a bit more of a roadmap. So yeah, there is no roadmap. Not really. I mean, my, my plastic surgeon was pretty good at laying down sort of a roadmap. But I realized that it's like a board game where the pieces move and sometimes you go forward and back like shoots and ladders. <laughs> <laughs> like you hit a slide. Definitely. I feel like I'm on a slide right now. Yeah. So sliding back. I, I don't. Well, anyway, but the, I, sliding back in plastic surgery is scary. And I experienced just a little bit of a slide, which was, was a little scary. But um, we'll talk about that later. But we both so we both had mastectomies. Yes. I had a double. And I had a single. Right. And we I had reconstruction. Yes. I originally thought that I could have a lumpectomy. I was so excited about the lumpectomy. And my breast surgeon told me a lumpectomy was never an option for you. I'm like, well, you could have fucking told me that before I spent the last three months thinking that maybe I could have a lumpectomy. Oh, so you were thinking for like three months, I can have a lumpectomy, I'll have an option. It's my choice. Yes, well, and part of the neoadjuvant chemotherapy, I thought was to see if we could get the lump small enough to have a lumpectomy. To qualify, like you were gunning to get it small enough to get a lumpectomy. Yes. I understand. That's so disappointing. And then he told you... She. She. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag feminism. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I have like one doctor on my team who's a guy practically and it's my plastic surgeon. Agreed. So. Mine too. Right. I love my male plastic surgeon. Me though. too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, managing my expectations, that was, that was like a rough... A rough time. I sat and cried in a restaurant after I found out I would definitely have to have a mastectomy. Um, I chose to have a single because I didn't have any indicators that I was definitely going to have breast cancer recur. And you got a double because you just didn't want to worry about it? I got a double because I had the idea that I wanted to take, the, if I was going to take the time off, I was going to get it all done at once. Which I think is smart. I think about it because I kind of anticipate that eventually I'm going to have to get a mastectomy on the other side. I just think that's in my future. But you may have kids in your future too, so you might want to use that breast before you lose it. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But, you know, for me, that wasn't an option anymore. And the way I thought about it was I have a couple of factors here. One's working, one's not working. This one might start working any day now. So let's just take them both off. You know what I mean? Let's just go. Let's do that. And so I I didn't have any signals that it would spread to the other breast. But then when I just looked at the statistically and numerically, the chances of just an American woman getting breast cancer, that's already one in eight. So that breast had a one in eight chance remaining breast of getting breast cancer and then Which my chances are higher huge right can we talk about that one in eight yeah that's bananas yeah i know and i don't think that number is gonna get bigger i think that in the end i think the number in the end is gonna get smaller it's one in four people that have cancers and that includes all cancers i thought it was one in two i had one in four in mind but okay. that's I, we may I don't know I don't know lifetime actually. risk of cancer. But I know it's one in eight for breast cancer for sure. So because yeah, that's, that's the math true. that we used at any rate that year, um, and it was my surgeon who I did that math with, and um, I just made the decision. It was sort of like the the 
the recovery wasn't much, much, much greater from my point of view um, with the other recovery I was going to go through. So I wanted to do it all at once. Yeah, and you might as well. Exactly. And so I had immediate reconstruction. And did you have immediate reconstruction? You did as well, didn't you? Um, I had radiation, so I had delayed right. reconstruction. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And that's that changes things, too. Well, we're going to get into our stories in a bit, but let's go through the different options. So after you get that mastectomy... You have a few options You've for got, reconstruction. Yeah, there's a few. Now, that surprised me. Did that surprise you? Like, did you know there'd be so many options on the menu? Like, Well, I remember as soon as I was diagnosed, when I got the call telling me that I had cancer, Yeah. before we even had staged me, the nurse who told me about my cancer said, you should start thinking about whether or not you want reconstruction. And a number one, like, what the actual fuck? Maybe I don't have to think about reconstruction until I fully process the fact that I have cancer. Mm-hmm. Also, like, to me, it sounded like, what is the option? Either reconstructing myself or just being destroyed? Like, it was just such a strange concept to me that how how that was presented to me at the time. Now, after um, I got, like, after I was almost done with chemotherapy when my breast surgeon talked about reconstruction because she that's when I found out that I was definitely having a mastectomy and I never really considered because you could go flat like Mm -hmm. more and more women are going flat now yeah I met a woman right before my mastectomy at um, a yoga retreat who was flat and she showed me she did me the honor of showing me her scars which was really informative and it was informative having hung out with her for a few days and not having even realized that she didn't have breasts that was interesting yeah well and I I know that some women go flat with even a single mastectomy which I don't I mean some women like wear prosthetics or some women it just doesn't bother and to me I didn't want personally I didn't want to go flat because I don't want that to be a conversation I have to have Mm-hmm. Um, some people use adornments too, like they do tattoos yes which I mean I would I would get a tattoo I don't know I haven't yet because I feel like it's just another needle inside of me just like another scar just another thing yeah it does create scarring I think going flat is really nice because I think one of the things that I hear from the women who I know who are flat is that they just didn't want any more surgery and the well immediate reconstruction is called immediate it's hardly immediate it takes forever how long were you from your first surgery to your last surgery oh my gosh okay so that goes from february of 20 i want to say 2016 to when you had a mastectomy right okay to september of this year 2018 Exactly. I have a hard time with dates around this stuff. It's so weird. So that's like two and a half years of surgeries. Yeah. And so it's a it's a lot. And that was and that was with um with implants. And mastectomy and flat, you're one and done. Exact well, pretty much. Pretty I mean, you might get some touch ups done, I guess, to it if the scars bother you or something, but if you're a good surgeon, you know, and so then the other thing that you could get done you could get just a lumpectomy. If that's an option. If that's an option. I mean, that's that's another, I mean, that's another option for some people. Well, and I've seen women who don't reconstruct the, like, divot. Mm-hmm. And in a bra and, like, in clothes, 
a lot of lumpectomies are not obvious, even without like reconstruction or fat grafting or whatever else. Yeah, the fat kind of moves back in. Yeah, in a way. Uh, and we'll talk. We'll talk more about silicone or implants because that's what we have. Um, you also have. DIEP or exactly. tram flaps mm-hmm. that are an option, which is DIEP is where they take fat from your stomach and create either one or two breasts, depending on how much tissue you have. And tram flaps is where they, it's it's less common, but they take a muscle and skin and tissue from your back to reconstruct, like your shoulder area, to reconstruct a breast. I didn't get that because the recovery time is six months, is that right? I don't know. It. I think it's a really long time. It seemed like I couldn't, like in retrospect, maybe I could have taken six months off, but financially and ins- like, I don't, I don't think I could have taken six months off. Like I didn't think at the time that I could take six months off from my job. Meanwhile, like who is going to be taking care of me? while I go through this surgery. I think you would need a lot of people to take care of you with that kind of surgery. I could have moved back to Utah. Yeah, but that would be traumatic too, right? I mean, it's just, it's it's a lot. So I it, I was not offered it. My, my surgeon told me that my body type wasn't right for it. Um, so he, you know, he said I didn't have enough mass to take from and just left it at that. Like he said, like, you just don't have it. I think he was concerned, like it would just start to really scar. My surgeon told me that if I gained, like, 30 pounds, we could do it. And you gain weight during chemo, so there's that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so what they do is they basically, they take that fat, and as far as I can tell, like, I'm just going to do super layman's terms, they kind of stuff it up with all of the blood vessels and everything up into your breast. So you actually do have real breasts. And I, I know a woman who has it and is totally happy with every thing about it. I mean, she was just, she was totally thrilled with her surgery. She said it was like, for her, I think it was a solid, like she was, I think, a pretty quick recovery person. She's pretty vibrant and strong. And I feel like for her, it was like a four month process, solid, you know, and then she was probably coming out of it, but she could work from home too. That makes a difference. It makes a difference, right? And if you, if the surgery works, if the DIEP surgery works, Mm -hmm. it is one and done. Now, the problem is about 20% of the time, when I did my research, it was 20% of the time Mm -hmm. that surgery fails. Yeah. I hear about a lot of failures with that surgery. They did they did a lot of it in Germany for a while, and I've heard a lot of stories. Maybe Germany, I don't know. Because they have to hook up blood vessels, yeah. and like there's a lot that can go wrong in that surgery. And that scared me, that rate of failure. I think what scared me was, like you said, all of the different scars in all the different places, too. Like suddenly now we're cutting into your back or your abdomen, or it just seems like a lot of cutting. Yeah, I didn't do the back one because it's something like you lose... 20% of your strength mm-hmm. in in the area that they uh, do the surgery. I haven't heard the same exactly with DIEP, but I've never had it, so I didn't like go down the rabbit hole of research for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know either. It just seems, well. So the order for me was kind of interesting because I knew that if I, if I got DIEP and it failed, mm-hmm. I couldn't then go back and expand for an implant because I had had radiation. Right. So the radiation was a determination of 
like it's it makes a difference in your choices here it absolutely does Mm -hmm. because if you try to expand already radiated tissue uh you can tear and it's from what i've heard really common like i talked to my sister's boss who had had that and torn and Mm-hmm. The amount of surgeries that she had to get because of that <gasps> was um, expanded. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. And if the silicone fails, if an implant fails, which also can happen yeah. about 20% of the time, yeah, you can always do DIEP. Right. So that was the deciding factor for me. Like it's a backup plan. Yes. Right. So then we had to decide whether we were going to do saline implants or silicone implants honestly i never made that decision i was just like give me an implant and they gave me an implant i mean i should know what mine is i think mine is silicone mine must be silicone yours must be um mine my doctor talked to me about this he suggested silicone because it feels more like a natural breast and that's really important for women like us who don't have any fat um, surrounding it. So women who get implants like, you know, for, for fun, um, for enhancement, they have fat in their breasts. So when you put a little teeny ball of salt water in it, you know, it makes them nice and perky with us. We had we had saline during our expansion process, so we know it, they're, they're, it's like hard and cold when you have no fat over it because they scooped all of the fat out for us. That's so he used saline for that reason, and or sorry, silicone for that reason. Um, with the, ultimately after the expansion was done, and um, he also said that it's really important to go with just the round ones um, as opposed to the shaped ones or the textured ones because very often after women get implants underneath their pecs after breast cancer surgery um the implants can move and if it's round you just notice less of you know it's more aesthetically pleasing in a way and he built towards that the implant moving has given me some very specific nightmares um yeah we can talk about that when we talk about our experiences (laughs) um (laughs) yeah it's so you do have to get them um you have to get them an mri done every three years mine is coming up to make sure that you don't have leakage and when you and i got ours there wasn't as much media going on about the potential leukemia causing effects of um the textured implants especially yeah in the news recently there has been a lot of information about I mean, I swear, all of the cancer treatments also can cause cancer. This is also women who have implants for enhancement, too, who are filing complaints about immune system problems. And I do wonder how many of them do get MRIs and do get them replaced every 10 years. I wonder about that. I don't know anyone who's gotten implants replaced every 10 years. Right. I I think it's kind of like a car. And if you don't keep it up, I mean, and accidents can happen, too. But I do think, like, if you don't get it, if you don't take it in for a tune-up, how do you even know anything's wrong? You know, you you should get it checked out, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the protocol is, but I know that that's what I have to do. So can you break down, like, what your journey was like, like, from from beginning to end with your surgeries. Yeah, I think we should do it quickly because I don't want to, like, get lost in the weeds. Right. So I had, I mean, I had a pretty clear, I don't want to call it a roadmap, but I I think I had a simple 
simple experience in that I had my mastectomy. I knew I wanted an implant reconstruction. So I had my mastectomy. I got my expansion done, which is where they put kind of a temporary hockey puck inside of you and expand it with saline to like temporarily create that to slowly create that air pocket to put an implant in. And then that had to be done really quickly because I was radiated immediately thereafter. And then they give it six months for you to heal from radiation before they do the implant exchange surgery. Mm-hmm. I was very concerned about what I was going to look like before my plastic surgery. And when I talked to my plastic surgeon the first time, I asked for pictures because that was the most mm. important thing for me to see. And he didn't have pictures on hand to show me. Hmm. And part of that is that he had never had a patient as young as I was getting cancer reconstruction. And part of that is when you radiate, it's super unpredictable what happens because some some people get pretty minor sunburny side effects and some people get like fuck your tissue up side effects. So a lot of people who get radiation get this torsion and contraction mm-hmm. that makes reconstruction with an implant and a lot of reconstruction like just really hard. Uh, so that that was like a fear as I was going through all this treatment and trying to keep my my temporary expander. But it was, I mean, I had my implant exchange surgery and then I told my doctor that I didn't want to see him for a year because I was done. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one thing that I will say that I really liked about my plastic surgeon is originally I went back and forth about the double or a single mastectomy. And then I thought about getting an implant in the non-mastectomy boob to like Mm. make them even. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, there really is no even. Like, it's hard to make a mastectomy mm-hmm. breast look like a non-mastectomy breast. Uh, but at the end, I had settled on getting a lift on the non-mastectomy breast to, like, kind of make them more the same. But when I went in for the implant exchange surgery, because I only had two surgeries. I had the mastectomy. I had the implant exchange with fat grafting, and that was it. And my doctor during the appointment where he like right before the surgery where he was drawing on me telling me like what we were going to do and where we were going to take fat from which I think is really great when he talked about the lift on the other side I was like nah and he was like wait what what does that mean and I'm like well you know like I've gone back and forth on this lift like I think that if I got a lift it would be fine and if mm-hmm. I didn't get a lift it would also be fine. Like it was kind of like the road less traveled like mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter which road I go down. And he looked at me and he was like I am not doing a surgery unless you are 100% in. Oh, wow, are you great. 100% in for this lift? And I was like I'm like 75% in? Like maybe 60? And he's like Like, I don't want to cut into you if you are not 100%. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to cut into that breast if you are not 100% on board, which I'm really grateful for. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that was beautiful. I think all surgeons should do that. How do you feel specifically about the lift right now? Looking back, do you feel great about not doing it? Yeah. Well, like, I honestly... I think if I would have done the lift, I would also be like, it doesn't really matter. It, Mm -hmm. It matters a lot less in retrospect. 
There's a lot of choices here. Oh, so many choices. So many choices. So you also said you got fat grafting too, right? Yeah, they took some fat from my stomach to kind of even out because the implant is just your pec muscle plus an implant. So mm-hmm. if you can get fat grafting done, I recommend it. I think it's great. Little little liposuction. Although before I went in, I thought that they would only need it from my stomach. But while I was under, they ran out of Mm -hmm. fat from my stomach and we hadn't discussed prior taking fat from my thighs so I could have gotten additional fat grafting but since I hadn't consented which like I appreciate Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. but we didn't have that discussion so make sure you're talking to your doctors about those things yeah backup fat plan Uh, so what what was it like for you what choices did you have yeah so I also I had immediate expansion or immediate reconstruction with expansion Um, so like you was going back in every week to get those bags filled and then um, they transferred those out and they put back in the they the silicone implants and then we started with me um, nipple reconstruction and that went well it was a lot more painful than I thought it would be I mean basically they do origami on you and build that something that looks like a nipple they look remarkably wonderful real yeah they do it's really amazing but i will tell you guys that was one of the more painful things i went through it it was just bizarre it's just like a lot of stitches holding the skin together and um it seems very delicate it was it's just so they're out there right and i remember i had to go for a job interview um i think shortly after that surgery and i had to put like gauze pads over my (laughs) it was awful so yeah, so then um, then uh, we were getting ready to do the tattooing on top of the nipples that were built out once they healed. And then your nightmare, my right breast started moving towards my shoulder. And this oh, happens. It happens pretty frequently. Still freaks me out. Yeah, and so it happened to me. And there was discussion of like, well, we could just try to graft a bunch of fat to make them look or we could just retransfer them out again and stitch it up, create basically a stitch up above to hold it down more in the pec, I guess. And then they they did that. And that was those were some of the hardest times because I felt like I was getting dragged backwards a little bit. And well, and when you have to keep on going in, keep on going under, like in the name of vanity too there's a little bit of that guilt of like what am i doing this for but is it really vanity when you're just trying to get back to you're just trying to get back what cancer has taken i you know what i don't know but i think those flat chicks do go through a lot less surgery that's all i'm gonna say if you're opposed to surgery get ready for it because yeah okay so anyway so then they finally we got it back we got back the the other breast that settled down and then we did the tattooing and i had to get several tattoos done um and what they use isn't like a tattoo parlor tattoo it's more of a scraping it's like actually like a high-end prison tattoo in a way um they scrape the pigment high-end prison tattoo they should use that in the advertisements they said i wouldn't need Novocaine, and I've had to get it redone. It's faded several times. It's something that needs to be touched up. Um, I think that's important to note too. Um, not for everyone, but for me. And they faded at different times, which is odd. Um, I and know it's faded just in the last. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Oh no! Like I, this, I had to get like a, like three touch-ups in a year because they just kept fading. 
immediately and now like I guess we've built up enough pigment or something I don't know um, but I have to get eight shots of Novocaine um, in those areas to get those tattoos so it's a it's a lot it, again they look pretty good but it's a lot of work and then I, they also have corrected some dog ear situations in these surgeries and then I just most recently I had a crease in the right breast after all of that work on it and we decided to do some fat grafting and they extracted the um, fat from my armpits, which I kind of appreciated because there was some fat there. And I thought, well, it's kind of up where we've already done surgery, but it was definitely one of the most painful things I've done so far. It was up there with the nipple construction. The fat grafting was surprisingly painful. My my fat grafting was from my stomach, so it didn't last for very long. Did it feel like you'd been punched in the stomach a yes, little bit? Yeah. But like I've been punched in the stomach on a number of occasions, so it wasn't foreign pain. I had never been punched in the armpits and it was very foreign. <laughs> I kept wondering why did someone hit me in the armpits? <laughs> why would someone do that? <laughs> you made someone really angry. Bad BO. Um and that's another side effect. Like when you get a lot of surgeries too, you don't get BO for a little while because it like well, screws up your lymph system or something. Or no, I don't they know what took out they took out all my lymph nodes and all of the fat from my armpit and all of that tissue, so I don't grow armpit hair on one side and oh, I don't sweat as much. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Maybe not at all. You know, I should pay attention to that this summer. That, well, I just think that's really interesting. I didn't know that. I think that's very cool and strange. So, yeah. So that was my journey, and it was. I guess. It's worth it. I'm pleased with the results. I feel more and more comfortable um, being in gyms and stuff like that and, you know, just changing in public. And I don't know that I'm ready to go to like a hot springs naked and stuff like that. I don't know how I feel about that quite yet. I'm totally fine. I You're, yeah. I don't, I don't, I have no shame. There you go. <laughs> Even though I am uneven. I'm like, I'm like two-faced, but with my boobs. <laughs> Well, it's also, it's really weird to get used to um, just a different shape, too. I've had to get rid of a lot of clothes that I used to really like because oh. these puppies don't move. Yeah. I mean, it must be interesting for you with one and another. Oh, my like, God. Because these boobs don't give. So, like, your natural breasts will give. So, like, you can squidge them in and create cleavage. But these just, like... <laughs> so, when I have one and not the other. So, I went yeah. to a party that I kind of a little bit crashed. The party was not me but I went anyway because it was dressing up like the 1920s and I wore a dress that I have worn on a number of occasions but because my mastectomy breast so I had a wrap too because it was like a spaghetti strap dress but my mastectomy breast kept on like popping out and so I'm not invited to this religious party uh and then my boob keeps coming out so no one saw my breast it was fine I like had a wrap it was okay but it was it is it is different for sure uh so what are our protocols don't go to parties you're not invited to Or always go to parties that you're not no. invited to if you want to. Also, I mean, I so relate. I've had my boobs pop out in situations, like just at home and stuff like that when I've been wearing a tank top. And I don't realize it because you don't have much sensation left anymore. That's true. And so, they're so much higher than anything you've had. They almost, they do feel sort of yours, sort of not yours. Anyway, but but onto protocols. So, I, just, I have to say I relate to what you just how said. How about a protocol is if you 
are worried about popping out, make sure that you're looking not just depending on feel, because yeah. you can't feel you anymore. You can't feel it, maybe, as much as you used to. That's true. Good protocol. So one of the things that my doctor told me, which I found helpful, just getting back to, like, how do we plan this out in our lives, and how do we plan out the care and everything? Because like you said, it's a lot. Like, so much. recovering from this, you've got drains, you've got all sorts of things going on after these surgeries. Um, uh, not to mention the fucking cancer. Right. That This is like, this is a subplot. <laughs> it's a weird subplot that becomes the plot, right? Yeah. Like over time, like you have such a... You spend so much time. So much time. So my surgeon described it like this. Um, he said that your surgeries are going to be like a pyramid through this experience. This was right when I'd gotten diagnosed. He's like, they're going to be more intensive and frequent down at the bottom of the pyramid and they're going to be major. And then they're going to get more and more spaced out and more and more delicate, basically. And we're going to get into more minutiae. Um, if everything goes as planned. And I thought that was helpful. And then that leads me to my other one. Easy segue. Love your surgeon. Yeah, you have to love your plastic surgeon. And um, I would say that you should talk to someone who has been through your surgery and ideally more than one person. Mm hmm. Make sure that you are talking to people and seeing pictures of those people. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of pictures on Instagram. There are a lot of people who blog their journey, which I think is amazing. And it made me feel so much better seeing pictures of what I might look like before the surgery. Yeah. My friend Emily worked in this industry. And before I got my surgery, she gave me a couple of different books that I'm going to recommend. It's um, Aphrodite Reborn and Reconstructing Aphrodite Photography by Terry Laurent. Um, and you can probably look up Terry's work online. And it was really helpful to kind of see what to expect in a realistic way and not like because sometimes these are actually really nice photographs, too. Sometimes the stuff you see online can be a little scary. And sometimes you maybe want to see that, too. But these were actually kind of like realistic but nicely but done nice like these women look nice you know what i mean in the photos it's not like surgery um well and it's hard to match yourself up with the procedures that other people go through like radiation yes. versus not radiation and age and all of those other things these books were interesting to see how the different procedures look too like what a lumpectomy looked like with or without fat grafting you know what i mean like what that was all about because you and i didn't have the privilege of getting that lumpectomy so yeah i would have liked to see these aphrodite books before i went into surgery yeah it's it, they're pretty cool um that was a nice thing for her to do and then so one of the other things, just on a practical note, that I found really helpful, and some of my friends who'd had other surgeries suggested this, is those silicone band-aids. Like, they're basically silicone strips. Oh, those you, are great. And you can reuse those. So and wash them and reuse them. And those help with scarring. Those help with... Um right? They kind of keep it moist. Yeah, they keep it moist. And they actually, I feel like they just act as a nice protective device when you've gone through that stage of like, okay, everything's healed up. It's not a scab, but like you've got a scar there that has some sort of a sensitivity to it. I don't know. It's such a vague sensitivity. You can't really feel anything, but you're, you're open to the world. Yeah. It's, it's really nice and it keeps, I, yeah, I guess it just helps it heal, but that does seem to help. So one of the practical things that I loved was my microbead pillows. They made mm -hmm. such a difference because you can squish them into any shape. And I spent a lot of time with, like, that side of me just super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, sleeping, sitting. It's just weirdly... I don't know. 
having to sleep on your back is the worst. It's the worst. I wish I'd known about those microbead pillows. That sounds fantastic. And putting a pillow under your legs is the only way that I can sleep on my back. Putting a pillow under my knees. Plan to sleep in your bra. Um, For a while, if you're getting breast reconstruction um, and also listen to our cancer hacks episode and you'll hear our tips on good bras to wear post um, breast reconstruction. All right. Well, I think that's all I have to say about plastic surgery. I don't want to get any more. I I really don't want to get I feel like I've had my fill and I think I probably will get more because in 10 years, right? Right. It's like actually it's less than seven years. So, yeah. Okay, well, we'll go in at the same time. Oh, Leanna, actually, you know what? That would be really fun. (laughs) We could have Thanks Cancer Surgery Recovery episodes. Wow, I don't, that's crazy. Okay, wow. Hey, all right, well, that gives us something to look forward to. Okay, waiting in the waiting room. All right, Thanks Cancer. (laughs) Thanks Cancer. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. Traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer card, we're your passport date, cause cancer's damn hard. Oh, thanks cancer, thanks cancer, thanks cancer, victories in the dark. <laughs>